Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Sandra Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, in terms of tennis quality and sporting drama, I think we might have just had one of the all-time great 24-hour periods on day five of this US Open, if we incorporate a little bit of last night as well. Um, we would be able to say that more confidently if we had the the greater memory bank of David Law uh, <laughs> among us. Uh, but alas... It is just myself and Matt Roberts because the excitement of the greatest ever 24-hour period, uh, to be confirmed by David's uh, more extensive memory bank, has has rather got to Mr. Law. Uh, and I spent all day today speculating on the Tennis Podcast WhatsApp group about how pumped uh, Law would be uh, for this podcast. It turns out, too pumped. He, he's been struck down. <laughs> By something possibly too much pumpness. Mm. Yes, yes, it's it's an affliction. <laughs> it's an affliction. David struggles with with daily, and uh, we wish him well. Like Dan Evans told us in his post match victory after his come from two sets behind victory in a fifth set tie break win over Alexei Popperin today, uh, when he was asked about his next round with Daniil Medvedev. Oh, I need to lie down first. <laughs> um, so Dan Evans and David Law and maybe the rest of uh, Birmingham's uh, inhabitants are having a lie down and it is left to myself and Matt to pick over the bones of, am I being hyperbolous, Matt? One of one of the great 24-hour periods. I don't think you are. That... That was really, really special today. It looked like a blockbuster day on paper, didn't it? You know, we had this stat that it was the first time since they changed the seeds to 32 seeds at slams rather than 16 that none of the top 20 seeds had lost in either round one or round two. Um, Only Jennifer Brady, who pulled out of the tournament, wasn't there. This was such a high-profile Line up, and you just lined up the matches. And Simona Halep said she was looking over the order of play at breakfast, and every match was a semi-final. I, I loved that image, um, and they all delivered. They, they really, really did, you know. And I think we sort of wondered the other week, didn't we, whether sort of other tournaments would do an annual tribute to Manic Monday at Wimbledon. Now that that's gone, and this felt like the day of this year's US Open, obviously a round earlier than Manic Monday, but this is as good a round three as I can remember. It just all came together. How many matches would you put into the debate for match of the tournament from the last 24 hours? What are your submissions? Let's let's talk through them. Um, Anisimova Pliskova last night, definitely. Um, Alcaraz sits a pass. So Anisimova Pliskova was a deciding set tie break. Correct. Sit to pass Alcaraz, deciding set tiebreak. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of Dan Evans, Alexi Popper in. I did, deciding set tiebreak, corker. 
Um, I think Halep Rebekina was mm-hmm. superb. I would throw that one in. Um, so what do we, that's four? That's four already. Um, and then, you know, Kerber Stevens and Muguruza Azarenka, I don't think were quite at that level, but they were excellent matches, which which really lived up to their hype. Um, so, yeah, I think we've had six amazing matches in the last 24 hours. And we record with Danielle Collins versus Arena Sabalenka still to come, Jabir Mertens still to come, Osaka Fernandez and Rublev against Tiafo, which David Law has picked as an upset. I mean, if that prediction comes off, I don't know what state he'll be in tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, TBC, whether he'll ever appear on the podcast again <laughs> if Francis Tiafo beats Andre Rublev tonight. So, oh my goodness, I don't know where to start. I I felt sure at one stage today we would start with Rebecca Halep. Then I felt sure we'd start with Muguruza Azarenka. But I'm just going to go with what's most present in my mind because I, I got back tonight and I think it was five all in the fifth set between Carlos Alcaraz the 18-year-old Spaniard who played Rafael Nadal, his hero, uh, on his 18th birthday at the Madrid Masters earlier this year and was presented with cake despite <laughs> despite losing, which is a tennis thing, a weird tennis thing that we very much enjoy. So I arrived home with he and third seed Stefanos Tsitsipas locked at five games all in the fifth set. I'd been listening to the radio coverage in the car. I didn't have enough 4G left to get the uh, Prime Video coverage in the car because I have used up so much 4G watching Prime Video in various car journeys. So I was listening to it on the radio um, and uh, walked through the door, greeted uh, excitedly by Billie Jean, Walked through into the living room and found Matt watching uh, Diego Schwartzman against Alexander Molchan. And Schwartzman was two sets to love up. And I was about to eject him from <laughs> from the building, from the podcast, from all of our lives. Uh, but it turns out it was a sit down and it was merely a, a brief drop in. I was stitched up. <laughs> no. Because, uh, because, no, we did we did immediately head back to Alcaraz and Tsitsipas and we weren't disappointed by the remainder of the match nor were we disappointed by by any of the match up until that point we had Jim Courier in the commentary box for it and he is he's a very measured voice isn't he he's he's kind of seen it all he doesn't I don't think he's into overhyping players mm. and he was all aboard the Carlos Alcaraz train today and how on earth could, I mean all of New York is aboard the Carlos Alcaraz train how on earth could you possibly not be on board unless you're Stefano Sitsipas and even he sounded a little bit on board yeah he said he's never seen anyone hit the ball as hard as Alcaraz he he was really stunned by what Alcaraz produced today and honestly so was I I mean and you're the earliest of early Alcaraz adopters. Do you know, a great thing has happened. I now get tweeted, I now get atted on Twitter when uh, Alcaraz does stuff. People are like, <laughs> think- Matt, that only used to happen when Kuzmova lost. It now happens when Alcaraz does great <laughs> Do you things. think it'll be happening in 10 years' time when he's, when he's going for Grand Slam number 21? Do you know? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look, I... I have been a massive fan of Alcaraz for a while and I just didn't think he had this level in him yet. This seemed way better than anything he's produced before. And, you know, he's 6-3-3 love up in this match. And as you say, Jim Courier cannot believe his eyes. And to be fair to him, he's saying this is not sustainable. There there is going to come a time where there's going to be a drop-off. Did it have a Musetti-Djokovic two sets up retire for the fans? (laughs) Feel about it. That is what Musetti said of that retirement mm. in press afterwards. I did it for the fans. <laughs> no, because Djokovic wasn't there. Like okay. I, I think when Musetti was two sets up, his problem was it was Novak Djokovic was down the other end. Sitspas has been vulnerable in this tournament. I think a little drop off from Alcaraz still gave him a chance to win the match. But honestly, 
in that first set, he was ripping forehands. He broke Sitsipas's serve four times out of his first six service games. And that is something that really, I think, separates him. You know, if you look at Nadal, Murray, Djokovic, what, what they've got is an incredible return of serve. And I think Alcaraz is, is in that mould as a player. He is going to create so many opportunities on other players' serves in his career. He's got a great return. His own serve is massively improved, though, hasn't it, in a very short mm. space of time. It's, it's it never going to be better. his biggest weapon, but it's no longer just get the ball in, in court. No, absolutely. It's, he's, he's added some pace to it. I think he only hit two or three aces today. He can, he can definitely up that. Um, but goodness, he, he just played so well, and he just has such a good sense of how to use his game you know that that is a thing that I think can take a lot of time it can sometimes never come for a player to be honest and yet Alcaraz seems to understand his game the number of drop shots he hit at really key moments and just well timed you know he senses it's a pass was back and he was the moment doesn't he senses exactly when to use the crowd this is going to seem like a really facile comparison but he and Emma Raducanu, there are so many similarities for me in in that sense, the way they connect with people, that just sixth sense for occasion and shot selection and all the sort of impalpable things about mm. about tennis that, that matter so much. What Greg would call it. <laughs> what Greg does call what it. What Greg does call it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I think... You know, I called it a changing of the guard who's supposed oh. to change the guard on Twitter. I think there's something <laughs> there's something about him doing this to Sitsipas. You know, oh, Sitsipas yeah. has been the guy. You know, it feels a bit like when... Well, actually, no, it, it feels bigger than when sort of Dimitrov started losing to those guys because by that point, we'd, we'd sort of figured out who Dimitrov mm. was. Sitsipas, look, it's one result. Sitsipas has still had great season and will do great things but it just seemed like Alcaraz is is a level up honestly he's he's 18 and he can do that Mm. he's so so good and just feels really significant tonight him him doing this to sit can he back it up he's 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 got a fourth round against all due respect here Peter Goyovchik who who again I'm going to feebly say, all due respect, but has only had to himself beat Henry Laxonen mm. to, to beat the fourth round. So, so you know, there is the whole, you know, but he's made it to the fourth round, so he must be in good form thing. Well, you know, in terms of the players, players he's beaten, it's nothing compared to, to Alcaraz. No, indeed. I think Alcaraz did have a bit of a leg issue towards the end of the match. He got some treatment after the fourth set, which he lost six love. And he wasn't really pushing off on his serve. And yet, it didn't seem to affect the rest of his play. What he lost on his serve, he seemed to gain on his ground strokes in that final set. He was still hitting the ball with such force after several hours on court. I think think there's a sort of physical recovery and then there's just backing up that moment and the sort of elation of it all. You do sometimes see a come down and... You know, maybe you want another big opponent, you know, where you're not the favourite in that next match. He's, mm. he's suddenly going to be the favourite. It, yeah, that's be a very good point. Interesting to see how he copes with it. But he does seem pretty grounded and he's got a very good attitude. He, you know, it's, it's, the, it's lazy to do Nadal comparisons. <laughs> But how can you not, though? How can you not? The the sort of attitude-wise does seem pretty similar. The 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 vibes with the team and the box are good as well, aren't they? I mean, my favourite energy of the day, and this this was a hotly contested uh, competition, <laughs> was Juan Carlos Ferrero, uh, uh, his proud father vibes. Uh, with a with a very dewy eye, uh, when Carlos Alcaraz got over the line, I mean, he's really taken Alcaraz yeah. under his wing, hasn't he? He's you know Alcaraz is set up at his academy, and they've been together 
for quite a few years mm. now. You know, Alcaraz is only he's invested long term in him. He has totally, and yeah, just to to see it all pay off today must be must be emotional for him. And and he was a he was somebody that people considered a clay quarter that had the second best result of his career at the U.S. Open mm. on hard courts reached reached world number one, didn't he? By mm-hmm. uh, by reaching that final, so. Um, Oh, goodness me, he's exciting. Yeah, we need to not make it, and this also applies to Omar Adekanu, I think, although we're all going to break this rule straight away. We need to not make it about whether he wins the next match and what he ends up doing in this tournament because this is enough. He's mm. done the thing. He's made the statement. Yeah. And yet we all desperately hope and will be mega hyping <laughs> his prospects against Peter Goyovchik <laughs> in the next round. Right then. Well, just to say, I think the other notable aspect of this match was how much the crowd was on oh. Sitsipas's back. I mean, mm. really, there has so, been... So it wasn't just positivity towards Alcaraz, because there was a lot of that. They oh, love him, they've gone with him, but it was specifically negative towards Sitsipas. It was, yeah. I mean, there was not quite silence, but very quiet when Sitsipas won games. Um he went over for a fairly innocent chat with the umpire at one point and got booed. He went off the court for a, one of his bathroom breaks and got booed. He, Interestingly, he was only gone for, I think, about three and a half minutes today for that bathroom break, rather than the seven, eight minutes that he's been averaging. But this is a shift I didn't see coming and has been very sudden with Sitsipas. You know, mm. I've been... I've watched Sitsipas on the Rod Laver Arena against Federer and the crowd have loved him. I've seen him at Roland Garros and he's been adored. He's He's been a popular player with crowds. Is this the power of Andy Murray? I think because, if Andy Murray but, hadn't done what he'd done... Because Zverev accused... We wouldn't have had Zverev this. brought up the issue in, in Cincinnati and actually made a, a far stronger allegation than Andy Murray ever did. He just didn't mm-hmm. do it via a comedy... Tweet. tweet about Jeff Bezos. <laughs> and he did it in a press conference. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose he did have a little word with the umpire during the match, but Murray's, Murray's was a lot more visible. It was at a mm. grand slam. It's going to get more attention. And, it, and it? It, it does seem like, uh, from, from what I gathered from Jim, Jim Courier today in our Prime Video coverage, it's really gained traction in the US. He said, look, everyone in this crowd knows about Lugate. Mm. Um but yeah, but, but I also think some of it is self-inflicted from Sitsipas. Mm. You know, I think he, he, he's he, not done himself a lot of favour. No, and you said to me earlier, he's not going to pull this back. This situation with the, whereas Medvedev, Medvedev's self-awareness, yeah, turned it round in that tournament, and he'd won them over by the end of it. That is lacking with Sitsipas. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one, it, one, isn't it? Because on one hand, it he's clearly upset by it and it hurts him and he's a young man in a you'd you'd be very hard of heart not to just feel general human sympathy for a young man being booed by thousands Mm. of people but on the other hand (laughs) actions have consequences and and there are behaviors within his control that that could affect Mm -hmm. and influence that reaction that he's that he's not paying any attention to or is unable to pay attention to so it's it's a very tricky one with him, and it will be interesting how this affects him going forward. That is one of one of the six <laughs> one of the six contenders dealt with. Matt, what case would you like to make next for match of the day of the tournament of the year? <laughs> Shall we go to Halep Rybakina? Yes. Is, is this too much jumping around? No, not at all. No, side? it's good. No, no, no. We'll go. We'll go where the wind takes us today, okay, Matt. It's that great. kind of a day. This was really good, isn't it? And this this was actually the ultimate match, which I felt like could only disappoint because I was reminded in my research about it that their last meeting was in the Dubai final last year and it was officially voted the match of 2020. Mm. I know 2020 was a curtailed season <laughs> with fewer contenders for that title. Um, but it was 7-6 in the third, won by Simona Halep. Truly an epic and not just in terms of drama, in terms of quality as well. Today's rematch could only disappoint, even if it was a great match, it had to be less good than that match, right? Well, 
I think it might have been as good as that match, sort of, maybe, at least close. Close, for sure. And I think it had a higher peak moment. You know, maybe the overall sustained excitement wasn't wasn't quite what that 2020 Dubai final had. But I will remember the first set tiebreak from oh. this match for a long, long time. Um, 18 and a half minutes. Was it? Wow. Mm. And um, there were 10 set points in the tiebreak. Halep had seven and Rebecca had three. It was just back and forth. I think you called it a... Um, tiebreak of Shakespearean proportions. I did. Um, Definitely something that Alan Partridge would say. But it came to me in the moment, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) As I said, it's a day where you go where the wind takes you. (laughs) Yeah, there was just this theatre to it. Um, And it had been a strange set. It had been, you know, Rebecca led, Halep came back, Rebecca led, Halep came back, Halep served for it, Rebecca broke to take it to a tiebreak. And then the tiebreak was the same with this, these shifts in momentum and you didn't know who was going to win. And, and the way they match up against each other is so interesting, especially now, actually, because Halep's really trying to be more and more aggressive. And yet she's up against Rebecca, who, you know, the term easy power just Oof. doesn't... Just, I mean, so it, it, it's the perfect description, but it also doesn't, doesn't feel enough. It's so easy power. It's easy everything, isn't it, for Rebecca? Easy, she... She just, she takes everything on the chin without, there's a, it's different, it's different to Plushkova's sort of seeming perceived unbotheredness somehow. Mm. It's more, it's more more serene. Yes, more Kvitova. It's, it's a serenity rather than a sort of detachment. Yes. Or, or sort of languid, I mean, she is languid, but. Yeah, the serenity, that's the best mm. word for it. She's her energy is just so calming even <laughs> even at a sort of 17 all in a tiebreak. The break. most stressful tiebreak of the tournament. Yeah, and then Halep has a very mm. different energy. She's That's why it works, isn't it? This absolutely. Match-up. Absolutely. I think it really really works. They took concurrent medical timeouts. It was all just in sync to <laughs> to create to create an interesting match. I think Rebecca we we saw a lot of revolting close-ups of did, yeah. one of Rebecca's feet. Daniela Hantikova was commentating and I think I think she was actually about to eat something and decided not to mm. on the basis of seeing those feet. Wise, I would say. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's got a little bit of a close match problem, Rebecca. You know, yeah. she lost she's a very... She's not a front runner. She lost a very close one at Roland Garros, didn't she, to uh, Pavlyuchenkova. And then I remember at the Olympics, her last two matches there, the semi-finals and the bronze medal match, she was the better player in both matches against Bengcic and against Svitolina, and yet she didn't win. And I thought at times she was the better player today. She, she was up a break in the third set. As you said, front runner, closing. She's got a few issues there. But gosh, it's nice to see Halep back. Mm. I, it's, it's such a shame she had to miss three massive tournaments over the summer but she said she's feeling much better and she's into the fourth round at the US Open for the first time in five years she actually said on the court three years (laughs) and then uh, in her press conference in her first answer she said actually it's five years my brother just texted me and told me that I got it wrong that is definitely what brothers are for in my experience um yeah, I mean, maybe it takes the pressure off having sort of a plaster cast on your on your thigh. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting when there are there are situational parallels between Simona Halep and Garbini Muguruza. Mm. Both of them have won nice French segue. Open and Wimbledon. It's all off the cuff. It's that wind again, Matt. <laughs> um, both of them have won a Wimbledon title and a French Open title and had decent results also at the Australian mm. Open. More, slightly more so Halep, I suppose, than Muguruza. But they've also by far had their least success Grand Slam-wise at the US Open for not necessarily all identical identical reasons. But I think there are a lot of parallels there they they usually come into the US Open having expended most of their energy at Mm -hmm. some point earlier in the summer and maybe 
don't have the physical tennis energy, don't have the mental energy to cope with New York, whatever it might be. But it feels different for both of them this year. Um, and definitely for Muguruza, she just looks so mentally fresh, Muguruza. Yeah. Um, and it was a, it was overall a great contest with Azarenka. I know the the third set sort of quality wise maybe wasn't quite there. I thought the sort bits and bobs of the opening set, which was there was some, I looked up after about forty minutes and it was two all. You know, it yeah, was, it, it was a battle. It, it, you know, sort of a heavyweight WTA clash with. Just both players refusing to give an inch. You know, they've 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 got quite similar games. You know, they're both heavy hitters from the baseline, and yeah, I, I think Muguruza's serve really fell fell apart in the second set. She got broken multiple times, but otherwise, I thought it was a very good performance. Picking up on how she's done in the first round and the second round here, she had a really tough draw. Um, and just as you say, there is a different energy about her in New York this year. I think she's really put pressure on herself in the past to to do well in New York because why shouldn't she? You know, it, it, there's no reason why New York and Muguruza should not work. And I think she's just trusted where she is, trusted her game, trusted her preparation. She just seems very chilled and relaxed, I suppose. And yeah, fresh and it's really paying off. Um, she now plays Barbora Krejcikova. Yes, please. They have split their matches this year, one all head to head. Muguruza won the Dubai final, and Krejcikova won just a couple of weeks ago in Cincinnati. And Muguruza was interesting on on Krejcikova. She said, "I can feel the confidence in her shots." You know, something has changed in Krejcikova since she won the French Open. And Muguruza, as an opponent, feels like she can tell the difference, you know, just the way Krejcikova is hitting the ball. And she won very easily today. She's won, I think, 28 of her last 31 matches. P.S. This is her US Open main draw debut. Yeah, she's failed to qualify a number of times and making her main draw debut... And she's just breezed into the fourth round. The, the transformation in, I mean, less than a year, really, mm. for her is... Bonkers. Yeah, yeah, we've said it before, but astonishing. Incidentally, Simona Hallett faces Alina Svitolina in the next round. Svitolina uh, won pretty handily against Daria Kazakina 4-2 and two earlier. And those two have epic battles, don't they? They do, yeah. I, I remember one in Rome, one in Doha... They're a match that shouldn't work because mm. they're quite similar and you don't quite get that contrast of styles, but it, it really does work, Svitolina Hallett. Mm. And actually on these slightly faster courts, I think I think it could be even better. We uh, we have just had walk out into the Arthur Ashe Stadium or a few minutes ago there at uh, 2-1 on serve in the opening set. Naomi Osaka against another 18-year-old, Layla Layla, she's one of those players where suddenly her middle name is... Uh, yeah, Annie, is right? Layla Annie Fernandez, like Bianca Vanessa Andrescu <laughs> and uh, Holger Vitus Gerolitis, <laughs> what's it, Rune. Um, uh, can't remember. There was, another, there was another name. It's like, it would be like sort of seeing Andrew Baron Murray in the in the draw all of a sudden. Anyway, 18-year-old Leila Fernandez from Canada is uh, currently 2-1 up on Naomi Osaka and the winner of this one uh, takes on Angelique Kerber in the fourth round um, because Kerber got the better of... And I'm going on the basis of David Law commentary uh, on the radio earlier that I was listening to in the car, uh, beat a... Pretty much top of her game, Sloane Stevens today. And that is a fearsome prospect. Anybody that's able to beat, you know, the narrative with Stevens is it's all about how she plays, mm. all about whether she produces her best, whether she turns up. Well, she turned up today. David, I think, described her as just casually being brilliant in just casually knocking off sublime forehands. Won the opening set 7 5, and then 6 2 6 3, the next two sets. Uh, for Kerber, which sound, I think, more one-sided than they were. It was a very competitive match. And Kerber, who I continue to hear retirement rumours about, Still. is just, yeah, ridiculous. I mean, she looks she looks world-beating. 
Well, she pretty much is. She's she's lost two matches since I think the French Open, and both of those were against Ash Barty in the <sighs> Wimbledon semi-final and the Cincinnati semi-final. She won the tournament in bad bad Homburg. Bad Homburg. Turns out, bad Homburg was. Sort of the turning point of Angelique. We we all should have paid more attention to Bad Homburg. I think is the moral of this story. The turning point of of Angelique Kerber's what was to be retirement year, if rumours are to be believed. I should say those aren't you know those aren't from any nailed on sources or anything. But it's just one of those things that's circulating around in mm. the in the tennis atmosphere. Um, yeah, it's it's an incredible transformation it's just like she's woken up you know mm. she, she can play like this this is the angelique kerber mm. that we should see um and it's especially impressive considering the records she's had against stevens you know just as you say stevens it can all be about her she can beat kind of anyone when she's on but she especially beats angelique kerber she'd won their last five matches it had been several years since kerber had got a win and to drop the first set and to turn that match around is is so impressive. I, I thought she broke down the Stevens backhand in the final set. She she just targeted it and got some errors from it. And yeah, her her game is in such a good place. She she slept at the Billie Jean King National Tennis Centre the other night on the night of the on the night she was supposed storm. to play on oh Kalanina Kalanina yeah which she ended up playing. Yesterday, a day delayed. Yeah, yeah she um, she posted on Instagram a a photo of her in the gym on a on a makeup bed that they got out for her. She slept there, played the next oh, day. Oh, this is starting to sound like it, it's the sort of thing, the that sort of thing that would will be reenacted, reenacted in a dramatization f- for you know a TV movie at some stage in mm. the future. Mm. Or a tennis relived. Or a, t- or a tennis <laughs> relived. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tie break or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Um, So Kerber against potentially Naomi Osaka in uh, round four. I'll just... 
I'll just let you all sit with that prospect for a moment. What a, <laughs> let's return. Let's return to the men's draw and Dan Evans and another fifth set tiebreak win over Alexi Popperin, who has more game than I realised. I, I knew he had game and knew he had a big serve, big forehand, um, and a lot of lot of hunger about him. But for some reason, he's never been quite as much in the in the conversation about that generation of players as as some of the others and okay he hasn't he hasn't had the results he's he's never really done anything big at masters level has he won his first title earlier this year at an event in singapore which was a big big moment for him i remember how pumped he was to win that even though it was one of those tournaments that didn't have a glittering field and happened right after the australian open and was happening in the middle of the night our time and we reported the result but hadn't paid any particular attention to it but I noted you know just how massive a deal it seemed for for him and his career but yeah he has so much game he's he's one of this new breed of tennis players that's extremely tall but moves incredibly Mm. well this lightness on his feet um and it enables him to to run around his shots and hit hit just completely improbable forehands. Get that incredible forehand into play, and on on these quick courts, um, that forehand and his serve is just doing just doing massive massive damage. He's got good hands. He's not afraid to come to the net. He's just he's a really good all round player, Alexi Popperin. And Dan Evans came out completely pumped today. Really sharp. I think it was the third point of the match that he pummeled a backhand at the throat of Alexi Popper in at close range. And I'm so sorry that David Law isn't here to describe that for you in a, a brummy tinged accent because it, it deserves that. But it was such a glorious moment to start that match, wasn't it? A delicious scene setter. Yes, our WhatsApp group was was alive when that happened in fact i th- i think i got a message about it before i'd seen it you know I, I i think occasionally the stream is a bit behind david had hit send on that message immediately <laughs> and alexi bubberin returned the favor i think later in the, in the fourth about three hours later yeah. <laughs> um and dan evans laughed afterwards and sort of nodded his approval at doing that which i thought was a glorious reaction but i i loved the thought that he'd been stewing on it and looking for a payback opportunity for three <laughs> hours it was the third point of the match um yeah, Popperin won the opening two sets. The first set was really competitive. Dan Evans had had the break, was leading 4-3, and Popperin broke... I think he had a run of six games in a row, broke him consecutively and just was really pumping up the crowd, just showed a real steel and ruthlessness that, that I'd never seen before um, and really continued that momentum into the second set and... Goodness me, Dan Evans was just hanging tough, hanging by his fingernails, and he just he wanted this so much. He's reached he's reached one Grand Slam fourth round, and you just get the feeling with Dan. He sort of hinted at it in press conferences, but he's disappointed by his mm. Grand Slam results. Oh, big, big time. time! And it's it's I think it's been massively on his mind this year. He's beaten Djokovic. He's got himself to a career high ranking. He's seeded at slams. He's, you know, regularly featuring in Masters tournaments. But his Grand Slam results have been a big disappointment. His best Grand Slam result was that sole uh, fourth round appearance at the Australian Open 2017 pre-ban. Mm-hmm. And I think that is significant because I, I, I think it's sort of two separate careers in his mind really to you know he's a different guy to what he was back then and I think I just think this is massive for him and there was just there was a Djokovic like defiance in that third set I am not letting this go he's had some he's had some tough draws in various different places Alexi Popperin as I've said brilliant player but unseeded Alexi Popperin to reach the second week week of a slam 
is a decent draw. He's he's seeded 24th at the moment. Mm-hmm. You could be facing Novak Djokovic in the third round as the 24th seed. He wasn't. This was the moment. He wasn't going to let it get taken away from him. Mm-hmm. And uh, But even with that, he didn't run away with it. It, it wasn't a... It, it, there was no collapsing and folding from Alexei Popperin. He, he had to have it wrenched from him. And there was a just the slightest sag from him in the deciding set tiebreak, I thought, just the slightest bit of, oh, my God, even that wasn't good enough. Um, and it was quite a one-sided tiebreak in the end, but it was such a contest, just two real competitors. I think maybe it's an underrated aspect of Dan Evans, actually, his his fight. You know, I think when I immediately think of Dan Evans, I think of his nice tennis and <laughs> yeah. often nice tennis doesn't go with scrappy fighter you know i think it's it's kind of the mistake that's that's been said about federer a lot of the time you know that it all comes easy to him but federer is a player with a lot of fight really and, and you and you see that sometimes but you always see it with dan evans and we saw it today and he played an inspired fifth set tiebreak didn't he? he was just he was just brilliant in that in that closing stage of that match um and yeah just it feels like he's proved proved something to himself yeah because this is very similar to his third round draw at Wimbledon you know I think Alexei Popperin is in a similar sort of place to Sebastian Corda you know a, a young guy with big weapons but you know unseeded Evans maybe not the favourite, but maybe just or fifty-fifty. It's a match he. It's a match he would expect himself to win. I think that's the important part. And he was really gutted with how he played against Corder at Wimbledon. I think Corder played well, but Evans didn't quite have it that day, and it looked like it was going to be the similar sort of story today. So for him to turn that round is is a massive deal. And and yeah, just as you say, the fact that he's now equaled his best run at a slam, the fact that that came pre-ban. He he sees himself as a better tennis player, a better person, a better everything. So I'm sure that was nagging at him that his best ever result in a slam was actually the old version of himself. Mm. So to do that today is, is really, really significant. And he now gets a pop at the second seed, Daniil Medvedev, who definitely did not play... A deciding set tiebreak today. Love four and three against 35-year-old Pablo Andujar. So the movement lives to fight another day. Uh, Dan Evans said uh, he, he he was asked about playing uh, playing Medvedev uh, in his on-court interview afterwards, um, and he had this sort of "give me a chance" look about him. But he he said, "Look, I'll have to." He said, "I'll." I'll have to play like I did in that tie break for three hours and then maybe I'll have the tiniest chance. He you know, he knows he knows what the task is, but he's he's also gonna try and be a disruptor, isn't he? And mm-hmm. I think that's gonna be fun. Even if it's one sided, I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I it, it will be fun to watch. He will he'll bring it. He'll come mm-hmm. at Medvedev and We love to see it. We do. I think Medvedev will have too much, but I want to see it. We have Diego Schwartzman against Botic van der Zand Schulp. He won. W- were you about to say some things about Botic no, van der Zand Schulp's win? Because last time, if either of his either of us is going to, it, it will be you. <laughs> no, I just didn't know the result. I knew <laughs> right. it was two sets to one. Uh, three six six love six two six two over Facundo Bagnis. That match is available to watch on replay on Prime Video, Matt should you wish to. Uh, Schwartzman beat Alexander Molkan in the uh, Molchan, Molkan in the match that you were very briefly absorbed in earlier, three straight sets for him. So Schwartzman against van der Zanschulp, uh, Alcaraz against Goyovchik, and it will be uh, the final fourth rounder from that half of the draw is two opponents yet to be decided because we have Roberto Bautista Agut against Felix Auger-Lessim currently in progress 
on Lewis Armstrong Stadium at Auger Aliasim, I think, at the break in the first set last time I checked. And Tiafra and Rublev, goodness knows what time they're getting on court because the night session started late. It is still on serve in the opening set of Osaka Fernandez, so that's not going quickly. So, um, yeah, settle in for Tiafra Tiafra Rublev in in warnings that will be very out of date by the time that you're listening to this podcast news. Um, let's... Oh, well, another say, submission, Matt? I, I was, well, from from last night, you know. I, I, I was getting you there. You were going there. Mm. Okay. I was going to run through tomorrow's schedule on which Karolina Pliskova will feature. And then I was going to, to ask you to explain why. Great. Professional presenter, Matt. I shouldn't have doubted you. <laughs> <laughs> so, folks, tomorrow's schedule... <laughs> Uh, we are starting. <laughs> David never makes you feel terrible, does he? Uh, come back, David. Come back. Right. Tomorrow's schedule. The Arthur Ashe Stadium starts at midday, 5pm UK time with Petra Gavitova against Maria Sakkari. Yes, please. Yes, please. Then it's Novak Djokovic against Kena Shikori. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Bless you, Kay. But um, well, look. I said it at the start of the tournament. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Even that. Love and two at the Olympics. Yeah, it was stark at the Olympics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything can happen. It's why we love sport. Do tune in for Nishikori <laughs> against Djokovic. Um, over no, with night session. Night session on the Arthur Ashe Stadium is Ash Barty against Shelby Rogers, and then it's Zverev. Against Jack Sock. Poor Shelby Rogers. I think she's <laughs> lost to Barty at least four times already this year. This year? Oh, yeah. She she kept drawing her at the start of the season. Of all the people to keep drawing, yeah. that's that's rough. Because kind of aside from that, she's had a really good season, yeah. hasn't she? Yeah. Uh, Lewis Armstrong Stadium tomorrow. Um, I think this is where we'll be kicking off our... All the matches are available, but this is where we'll be kicking off our main channel coverage with Bianca Andrescu against uh, the lucky loser, Greet Minnan. She's into the third round of a slam for the first time. Andrescu, incidentally, uh, did win in straight sets yesterday, as we recorded, I think, live on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was her first straight sets win in more than three months. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So can she score another one tomorrow? She's followed by Belinda Bencic against Jessica Pagan. Gula. That's a yes, please. That's a yes, please. As is, I think, Gamalfis against Yannick Sinner. Yes, yes, definitely. Yes, yes, please. Uh, night session on Armstrong. Lloyd Harris against Denis Shapovalov. That could be interesting. He could test Shapovalov, I, I think. I think that's a yes, please. Yeah. They uh, they played earlier this season, and I think that was a third set tie break, which oh. Harris won. That was we're, we're, are we approaching the territory of looking up the most ever deciding set tie breaks at a US Open? Do you know, that's a very good mm. shout. There have been a lot, haven't there? Mm. Don't mm. want to jinx it because, you know, we, we want to see more of them. I, I love a deciding set tie break. I do. I, I particularly love a deciding set tie break to 10. Yes, yes. Australian Agree, Open. agree. But I still love them. Uh, and then uh, Vera Gracheva against Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova is last up on Armstrong. Grandstand is Ilya Ivashka of being talked about on the tennis podcast fame uh, against Matteo Berrettini. Then Annette Contevate against Iga Svantec. That could be a yes, please. Yeah. Um, I know we're a little bit worried about Svantec, as discussed yesterday, and Contevate uh, won in the land last week, didn't she? She's on great form. Cleveland, Matt, Cleveland. Sorry, it took me a moment. <laughs> what? Then, prepare yourself, Matt. It is Karolina Pliskova against Ayla Jomlanovic. Um, tell us, Matt, about how Karolina Pliskova booked her place in the third round. Well, before today, this was the match of the tournament by far um, against Amanda Anisimova. Karolina Pliskova won in a deciding set tiebreak, saving a match point along the way. And I think it was match of the tournament for its quality. It was just really high quality throughout. It was. It sort of reminded me of 
a Venus Williams Petra Kvitova match at Wimbledon a few years ago. Just sort of first strike tennis, very few breaks of serve, all the sets heading to a sort of crucial moment right at the end. And honestly, it was so nice to see Amanda Nisimova playing well. I feel like we need to caveat all of this lovely analysis uh, with the fact that you have a backhand fetish. I do. And (laughs) And, uh, are almost a bit weird about the Amanda Anisimova backhand. (laughs) He dreams about it. I mean, it's unbelievable. (laughs) It's a lovely backhand. But there was a moment uh, in the third set, the five-all game... And this some over serving, which I think it's one of the holds of the tournament. She was under so much pressure and she saved a break point with a backhand down the line. Kenin-esque. Lifted her arms aloft and it was punctuated by such great crowd noise. It was really good atmosphere. I was I was worried I was going to wake you and Billie Jean up <laughs> in that moment. But, um, you know, and I thought it was nice for Anisimova as well because she had that little breakthrough at Indian Wells didn't she three years ago now when she beat Kvitova but she's not really had a moment since then at home in the US and this was kind of the first one and she was brilliant I mean really she played it might be the best I've seen Anisimova play certainly it's the best I've seen since Roland Garros in 2019 she played so well as did as did Pliskova that's so nice to hear because my heart breaks for her story, really, mm. and and uh, losing her father just 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 over a year ago was it a year and a half ago? Um, was I, it a couple? Of, was it, it was before a, the it US was just Open? Before the US Open, was it two in years ago? Mm. Mm. Um, so okay, good news overall for Amanda Rasmova, and it sounds like a brilliant win for Karolina Pushkova. She faces Tom Lianovic tomorrow. Then it's Basilashvili uh, against Apelka last up. On the grandstand court, you've got court number 17 uh, with Andrea Seppi <laughs> holding up the anti-movement <laughs> against uh, Oscar Otter of being beaten by Andy Murray at Wimbledon fame. Then... Remember in a listener question special when someone asked us who the next Aslan Karatsev could be? Oh, are you going Oscar Otter? Well, hang on. Well, Aslan he... Karatsev is still in the draw. I know, yeah. <laughs> But Oscar Otter has come Ooh. into our consciousness in the last couple of months, hasn't he? And let's call Andrea Seppi for a place in the fourth round a good draw. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sara Cerebes Tormo is next up against Emma Raducanu. Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, is she going to win that? I can't. I can't separate the hype from the reality. I'm on the train. I might be driving the train. <laughs> I honestly, uh, trying to separate head from heart, I do think she could win. I, I really do. Oh, for sure she could. Um, I think Cerebes Tormo is probably a, a hands down most improved player of the mm. year. Maybe Badosa would mm. would rival her. Those two Spaniards have been just brilliant this season. It somehow seems less it, more improbable for Sara Cerebes Tormo, though, because she's She's the the weapon, game. yeah, she's got less game. The yeah. weapons aren't there. She seems to have done it with the same game. She hasn't developed any big weapons, or yeah, no, totally. It, 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 she will test every aspect of Raducanu. You know, I think mm. we're in this incredible sort of learning phase about Raducanu, aren't we? But we'll learn a lot tomorrow because basically, Suarez Tormo doesn't play a match under two hours. She mm. only plays epic. She has a sliced backhand, which not that many players have. You know, it's very sharp and knifed. I remember she played Ash Barty at the Olympics. She took Barty out at the Olympics. Well, the winner of that would face the winner of Barty uh, against Shelby Rogers. Mm. So most likely Ash Barty. Yeah. So Look, Cerebus Tormo is another level up from mm. the matches Raducanu's played this tournament. So fascinating. I, I would probably just lean... Cerebus Tormo. It's not ludicrous hype to it's suggest not, that Raducanu no, could win. G- Thank given, you, Matt. Given the level she's played at, Thank it surely you. isn't. Uh, last uh, singles match tomorrow. Well, not, not sorry, chronologically last. Last on my list. Uh, f- uh, last on court number 17 is Aslan Karatsev 
against Jensen Brooksby, who we watched beat Taylor Fritz last night in just such a fun match. He's yeah, he's great. I know. I, I always, I was sort of my instinct is to be a bit sniffy about Brooksby because he's such sort of the in vogue player to be like, oh, have you seen Jensen Brooksby? He's fun, isn't he? Um, but he is undeniably fun. Definitely, he's got a quite a quirky game. You, you sort of mm. don't see the shots coming, and slightly odd technique, slightly different energy about him, and yeah, kind of just as we were saying. Alcaraz beating Sitsipas is like a, you know, a sort of generational thing. Brooksby beating Fritz mm. feels a bit, you know, there's Brooksby and Corder, young Americans who are sort of younger than Fritz and TFO. You know, mm. that that new American and probably a Palka as well, you know, they're, they're kind of all coming now. Mm. Well, look, if, if tomorrow's half as good as today, we're in for a treat and I, yeah, it promises a lot. It promises to be pretty similar today. Hopefully, Osaka, as we wrap up, is uh, leading 6 5 she's 7 for the set, 30 love. But it looks like Layla brackets Annie Fernandez has, has given her a good game. The crowd looked pretty absorbed in it. Incidentally, the crowds do seem to be increasing as the tournament goes on. It, it felt really full for uh, for that Alcaraz sit to pass match, perhaps not right up at the top, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, the atmosphere is only growing, which is uh, really wonderful to see. So Nomi Osaka is a setup. There is still so much more tennis to come. We hope that David will be back with us tomorrow. He's been missed. Get well soon, David. Uh, better, David. Billie Jean is sending sending vibes. Uh, Billie Jean is sponsored, incidentally, by Billie Jean King. Uh, we all have our sponsors, Zeus, Scousel, Mousel and Rogue. I'm sure Rogue is sending uh, the very best wishes to you, David. Uh, we have Chris Albert Lee, our executive producer. We have Francis, who is the most handsome cat I've ever seen besides my childhood cat, Peanut. Wow. Yeah. I'm really taken by Francis. You are? Mm. Wow. Yeah. Poor Gerald. <laughs> oh, it... <sighs> You've made me feel, feel small again, Matt. Uh also, a lot of love for Gerald, but I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure mine. even Daryl, upon seeing Francis, would understand. Yeah. I feel like Francis Darryl, does take your breath away. Daryl can appreciate a handsome cat when he sees one. Yes. Um, so I think have I done all the housekeeping? Help me out here, Matt. I'm out of practice. We can do shout outs, or we can let's it gi- let's give it a whirl. Okay. I like the idea of not having David here to to stop to stop keep my imagination in check. Okay, <laughs> let's see how this goes. <laughs> we have, well, Bruce, backer number 651. Absolutely no evidence to suggest that's not Bruce Springsteen. Correct. Thank you let's very much to Bruce Springsteen. We're delighted to have you on board. Thank you, Bruce. Rachel Poulton. Hello, Rachel Poulton. Uh, I don't know any Poultons. Um, Ra- no, lots of Rachels. Rachel from Friends. Yep. Rachel Hogan Camp. Yep. Thank you very Rachel much, Riley. Rachel. Rachel Riley. <laughs> uh, she's cool, Rachel Riley. I like her. Thank you very much, Rachel, for your support. And finally, Thomas Matthew Robson. Oh, there's a lot to get my teeth into there. Um, Matthew is goes without saying your name, my brother's name. Ec- these are excellent people. Um, <laughs> Robson, Tennessee name. Yeah, David was commentating. was commentating with Laura Robson earlier. Very enjoyable stuff. And Thomas, there are there are lots of to- Tommy Paul. I assume I assume is a Thomas. <laughs> mm. Thank you very much, Thomas. For your support. Thank you, everyone, for your support. I apologise to all three of you that you didn't get David Law in your shout-outs. <laughs> um, but, hey, you know, we're going where the wind takes us, and that is where the wind took you today. Get well soon, David. Thank you for listening. Do all the stuff that David would tell you to do if he were here. Subscribe to the newsletter. Definitely do that. Tell your friends. Leave us a review. And we'll see you tomorrow. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.